Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. We're back to kick off the week in the NHL. It is the Monday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show with Ian Medicine, Julian McKenzie with you for the next hour or so. Coming up, we're pretty excited. The regular season actually starts this week. Uh, Aaron Portsline is going to drop by as we continue to go around the league, looking at the biggest stories on the Athletic Hockey Show. We're going to connect with uh, Portsline, talk a little bit about the jackets and the expectations. But I got to tell you, Julian, feels good to say this. Regular season hockey this week. It's coming up Friday. And you know, actually, wait, before we get to that. Yes. I, I love the fact. So for you, it's, uh, you know, it's Monday morning. It's early in the morning. Yes. And you have the distinct advantage of you've got early morning voice, which is great for a podcast. <laughs> you got the deep morning voice going. Man, uh, what's funny is, um, I, I mean, you can tell that it's sort of, I mean, maybe you can't, but maybe you could tell it's already been kind of going through its paces because on Mondays, I also do the CJ show. So like when I first wake up in the morning, basically like I'll shower a bit and then I turn on the laptop and then I'm just like, Hey everyone, welcome to the CJ show. But like now the athletic hockey show, like it's like you could tell it's already gone through the paces. So it's like a very good vocal exercise for me on yeah. Mondays. So okay, we're gonna tell Chris Johnson that his show is the warm-up <laughs> for the athletic <laughs> no. hockey show. <laughs> no, that's not what hey, CJ, he just treats he treats your show as a vocal exercise to get ready for our pod. Why y'all trying to get me in trouble, man? <laughs> that's that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. But hey, how about this? We have regular season hockey. I, I feel like not enough fans know this because if your favorite team is, you know, Detroit or New Jersey or Toronto or whatever, your regular season starts next week. You're like, damn, we got another week of preseason games. But coming up on Friday, regular season game, it's the storied rivalry between the Sharks and Predators. 
<laughs> Except this time they're playing in the Czech Republic. I love it. Oh, man. I mean, I have a question. I don't know how many hours it is uh, from Eastern time to Czechia time. Uh, I think six, ho- six hours, I think. So that, that's at least eight hours for me as someone who currently lives in mountain time. Yeah. Like, that would probably mean we're going to have to wake up in the morning to watch some regular season hockey. Am two, I right? Two, no, two o'clock Eastern time oh, okay. on Friday is the time. So noon, noon mountain time, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific. Um, okay, that's not so bad. So, yeah. like, if, you know, if you're not doing anything on the day, maybe you decided to take that Friday as just a Friday off for a long weekend. You could just wake up out of bed and then just turn on the TV and just be like, all right, cool. It's the afternoon and a Sharks Predators game out in Europe is going on. Like, I I don't know. Like, I don't know about you, but I I see that, you know, obviously Roman Yossi being in Switzerland and getting enjoying time being with his family and all that. Like, that's nice. But I don't feel the, the buzz, the electricity, the marketing around. Like that particular game, or at least just the 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 series itself. Like, I, like I should feel more excited, but I don't feel as excited as I should. I don't know if it's just because of the teams. I don't know if they should have just had like other teams there, or like a more hyped matchup. But like, there's something kind of missing with that. I mean, next week, it's going to be well, everyone else is going to get themselves going. So I think maybe yeah. we're going to have more of that excitement. But like Sharks Preds, isn't there another matchup too in Europe as well? Like it's, it's like okay. All right, we have that there. That's okay. It's just like how many hours ahead of our natural time. I imagine if you're there for the event, that's going to be very exciting. But I think just the fact that just kind of out there, uh, as just this like kind of random game on a Friday that most people in North America are only really going to get to in the early aughts, in the early afternoon, maybe that kind of hurts the excitement a little bit. Well, I think part of it, um, you know, part of it to me is it's almost like, do you think that they fig- they, they picked these two teams like Bill Daly, like there was a drum, big bucket, and they had all the 32 teams in a, in a bucket. He reached in and he pulled out, all right, team one is San Jose, reaches in, rattles it around. Team two, it, it's Nashville. Like it's very random. Like I said, like can you even think, like, and some listener will help us out. What's the greatest moment in Sharks v. Preds history like have they played in a playoff series i don't even know that off the top of my head i don't think so but but they were both kind of perennial playoff teams there you know in around 2012 13 14 15 like did they meet in the playoffs is there some residual hatred between san jose and nashville now we're gonna be missing some big story and people (laughs) be all over us but i i literally can't remember um Mike Fisher scored an OT winner for the Preds. Was it against San Jose? Yeah, it was. It was. Here we go. 2017? 2016, I think. 2016. Okay. Triple overtime goal. I remember Chris Cuthbert called that. Uh, yeah, I think I think it was that. I think that's like the biggest um Nashville San Jose okay. moment I could think of. That's the Until biggest Friday. One. Until, Until Friday, Friday, when they hook up in the Czech Republic. And, you know, it, it does kind of give, you know, in the NFL, they're like, we're going to send the Jaguars to London, like, repeatedly. That's yes. how this one feels. And and this is, with all due respect to Nashville and 
and San Jose fans, I'd be saying the same thing if it was Ottawa. I'd be saying the same thing if it was like New Jersey or this isn't us hating on you. It's just there are certain franchises that haven't quite reached the iconic level yet, right? And even, but even like so newer, t- like you can like Tampa Bay is a great example of they're a quote unquote newish team, but they have a little bit of cachet, right? A little yes. bit of yeah. Nashville and San Jose don't. Ottawa doesn't. Florida doesn't. Anaheim doesn't. And, you know, I I don't know. I just, I'm curious how this one is played out. But we do want to remind our listeners, if you're in a hockey pool, regular season starts Friday. (laughs) Start If UC Soros is on your roster, start him. Yes. Uh, One other thing I was thinking of. um, For matchups like these, depending on where you put them, think of the composition of the lineups and where those players are from. Like Thomas Hurdle uh, is from Prague. So this would be like a home game for him. Uh, I don't remember all of the other players from Czechia who are on Nashville and San Jose. We also have to think about, uh, I believe, the Avalanche and the Blue Jackets are the other matchup uh, playing out in Europe to start the season two. Yeah, yeah. like it just like I, I think it's also fun to think about which players on the teams that are going out there have players we're from that market because they that's easy that's an easy way for the NHL to say okay well, well we're playing in this guy's hometown or we're playing in this guy's home country. Well, that's why they do it. Like I really want and I, I would love to see Ottawa and Detroit start next season in Germany. You get Timmy mm-hmm. Stutzler from you know from Mannheim. Moritz Sider is from Germany. Great way to grow the game. Great way like that to me would be. Uh, fantastic. So yeah, you're right. Avalanche and uh, Blue Jackets. I want, do, do you think Adam? Who's Adam Foot cheering for <laughs> in that game? It's just two franchises. That's true. By the way, I think the Jackets and the Abs are playing in November. So I should mention that. I think I, I just think like th- those dates. I just damn it, Julian. I got know, me all I excited for Abs Jackets in in the next week. Into Vintage Perry out. Finland. Ah. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Patrick Line, right, is the obvious yeah. uh, tie in there. Yeah, Yarmo Kekalainen gets to go home. He's also Finnish, the GM for the Blue Jackets. Is there any way, like, so the NHL schedules this game in the summer, right? Like, yeah. the, the, you guys going to Finland. At that point, if you're the Jackets, you can't trade Patrick Line, can you? Yeah, if you do that, that's a is big Is there like some unwritten hit rule? For tickets. Yeah, you can't. Like, like, does Gary Bettman call you? Say like, hey, hey uh, we, we kind of need him for marketing for these tickets. You better, you better hold off on whatever plans you have. Yeah, yeah maybe. You know, I, I think it's interesting too. It, it's an with, with San Jose and Nashville opening the season in Europe. I think it's a great time for us to revisit Julian an idea that seemed to have a lot of traction about ten years ago, like 15, 10, 15 years ago, coming out of the lockout. So out of the 0506 okay. lockout. One of the big stories was the NHL and the NHLPA were very much exploring the idea of expanding to Europe. And I'm going to read a quote for uh, our listeners and for you here. This is from 2008. This is from the head of the NHLPA at the time. Paul Kelly was his name. He was the head of the mm-hmm. NHLPA. In a Q&A with now uh, the head of our uh, editorial vertical or one of our heads, Craig, a young Craig Custance did this oh, interview. Damn, Cu- all right. Cub reporter Craig Custance. CC. Did, yeah. 
uh, Craig Custins uh, did this interview with Paul Kelly in 2008 and asked him about European expansion. Kelly says, quote, I don't know that we've missed the boat, but we need to get on that boat now. I do think what we're doing with the Victoria Cup, some of the exhibition games planned, is a serious step in the right direction. I think the NHL has to begin seriously exploring actually having an NHL club in Europe, perhaps identifying two to five of the big cities that could support an NHL team, and work towards having an entire division of NHL clubs based in Europe. When asked if uh, this was feasible, Kelly said in a, quote, five to ten year range, our sport has to take a serious hard look at that. We would be short-sighted not to seriously explore if that can work. So that was, that was now we're into a little past that ten year the range. And even though they're going back and they're playing games, like you said, in Finland and this week in, in Czechia, doesn't feel like, it feels like the ship has sailed on this, hasn't it? Has it sailed or it's just, that's a good question. Like, I think if the NHL were to actually expand into Europe, I feel like this is just for any league that does it. It doesn't make sense to me that you just have one team in Europe. I feel, I like the idea of, you know, if you expand into a new continent, you have two or three teams at the very least. So you can have some kind of mini division and other fan bases that get that get in. It just seems like maybe the logistics of it might be a bit difficult. I wonder what it's like for adjustment to time. A lot of people complain about jet lag whenever they go out to, to Europe. That's something that players are going to have to keep in mind if they're going to have to make those tracks from North America to Europe. I wonder if that has played into any of that. I don't know if the boat has necessarily sailed on Europe. I don't know if that's fair to say. It's just that maybe other interests have just kind of come up in the last little while. Remember, like five, six, seven years ago, it was who's going to get to Vegas first between all the different professional leagues. And the NHL was able to put its flag into Vegas. Um, I'm not sure what the next big area probably is, but it might be Europe at this point. But we've seen the NHL get games there. Major League Baseball get games there. The NFL has been doing it for quite some time. I mean, I don't think that ship has sailed about having teams in in Europe. It's just a matter of which league is gonna is gonna do it first. It just doesn't seem like it's on the horizon just yet. I don't know when, but like the teams keep hovering around. There's still money to be made with having games in Europe. It's just that no one has emerged as a front runner as a as a city to have a team just yet. Yeah. I agree with you. And if you look at the big four sports, even though, like you said, Major League Baseball, they they went over, right? Yankees and Red Sox played yes. uh, overseas. But it doesn't feel like Major League Baseball would expand to Europe. There's just not a, a European feel to the sport. There's not a pipeline of players, you know, coming over there. Uh, the NFL, though, is interesting, right? Because they've continually staged games. And if you're going to talk from a logistical standpoint, the one league that could absolutely do a one-off team would be the NFL. By the nature of its schedule, you don't have to go and play three or four games. Like NBA and NHL, you would almost have to have a whole division there because you wouldn't be like, well, we're going to Berlin and then we're back tomorrow. Like it it wouldn't work, I don't think. But the NFL could probably say, uh, and they're doing it now, yeah, you know what? One week you got to go to London. And then maybe the next week is your bye week to, you know, rest up for whatever, but there, there are, there are ways in which it could work. I agree with you that there was such a race to get to Vegas 
And yeah, the NHL did a great job. I, it's We don't often say this, that the NHL was at the forefront of something in the big four sports, but they absolutely were. And yeah. I don't know if the NHL in Europe is ever going to have any more traction than these little showcase games and the odd exhibition games. But boy, it would be fun to think about an entire division over there, right? Because it wouldn't be a one a one-off team, I don't think, right? You'd almost have to have a full division. Yeah, uh, and just trying to think of different places. I mean, somewhere in Switzerland, for example, uh, you could have a team uh, in, in Germany if you want, Finland. Uh, I didn't even mention the fact that the Avalanche in that matchup, by the way, guys like Mikko Rantanen and Arturi Lekkonen are also finished. I don't, here's the thing. If you're trying to get into Europe right now, those cities I mentioned seem like they make logistical sense. I don't think you're putting a team in Russia. I don't know if the no. KHL would even want that. That is probably the last country you want to be dealing with right now. Um, does that hurt any potential revenue stuff that the NHL might want to get into? But at the very least, it's not as if there are any shortage of potential teams. It's just, are they actually viable? Uh, viable cities, I should say. But yeah, are they actually like, like is that is it worth getting a team in Bern? Is it worth getting a team in Berlin? Is it worth getting a team in Tampere? Like it's... I don't have the answers to that. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear from listeners too if, if you think it would work. The other part of this too is um, how would the players feel? Yep. Like imagine you're, you're, you're an NHL player, right? You're playing for Philadelphia. Or so, hey, Travis Konechny, you've been traded to Berlin. Or Travis Ke- like that's a big difference. Like that, you know, that's something to think about that from an NHLPA perspective. Would the players be willing to go over there and 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 deal with that and have their fa- uproot their families to a completely different culture? That would be like I would love to see the no trade clauses, right? It'd be like Ottawa, Edmonton, and uh, Stockholm. Yep, like every like, Canadian city and every European based city, all yeah. of a sudden pops up on a number of no trade clauses. That's a very good point. Maybe for players who are from those areas, it's not so bad, but. I don't know. There are some guys maybe more established who they say, well, no, I don't want to uproot my family and go live in uh, Switzerland, for example. I don't know. There might be guys who who might feel that way. What would be really interesting is like the guys who get plucked on waivers that way. Like, I don't know why the name (laughs) Michael Delzato comes to mind, but like you've you've spent all this time bouncing from team to team to team. And the team that wants you in the waiver pecking order. They're in Dublin. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> or Garden, Sweden. It's like, congratulations, yeah. buddy. You That's the next team you're playing for. You're continuing your, your career for the Jagarden Lions of uh, the European but, division of the NHL. But ask yourself, though, like, let's say there's a team in Stockholm or London or Paris or wherever you want to you know, pick your city. How would it work for them to come over to play games over here? Yep. Because let's say one team is over here to play games. Well, you almost have to have all of them over playing at the same time because you couldn't have an NHL team like the Calgary Flames, for example. They go out to Europe, but one of the European teams is out in North America. Anyway, the the more you think about it, the more logistically it becomes more difficult. And the more you think, yeah, no, I think the NFL is going to be the one. I think the NFL is going to be the one to have it just from a logistical standpoint. Also, think about it. Like on the Friday, this Friday, um, you could wake up in the Eastern Seaboard and watch 
San Jose, Nashville at two o'clock PM on a Friday. Imagine a full season of that. Just random yeah, all, t- all year, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. games on like a Thursday or a Tuesday that maybe people in Europe will go to and they'll get revenue off that. But then on TV, maybe people aren't watching nearly as much because it's the middle of a work day. Like all, I mean, those, te- those teams in Europe are going to be playing all the time. So it's going to happen. I don't know how much that plays into uh, whether or not that should be a good idea or not. Uh, and also for scheduling as well, you know, yeah, are you are those teams that come from Europe? Are you just going to have to say, OK, well, this is a what five game road trip. Then you got to take a little bit, a couple of days in between off. And then you're playing games back in your own home arena. Like, I, again, I don't have the answers. I would love to talk to someone who would who would have an answer for that. But like it would it would take a lot. It would take a lot for it to work, at least right now, I think. You know, and I also think about it from the player's perspective. Let's say you play for Columbus and you get traded to London, England. Imagine your cost of living expenses going from a place like Columbus to, oh, by the way, you got to get a flat in London and, uh, you know, it costs you this, you know, 4,000 pounds a month or whatever it is. Like, yeah, just logistically, I feel like it's going to be hard, but maybe these these little games in Europe is is the way to do it. Uh, but I'd love to see a, a, a league like a Champions League type of thing. That would be more fun, right? Where you get some of these club teams like the Bern in Switzerland or Jokerit in Finland or some of these uh, Jur Gardens. And again, uh, there's a little bit of a tricky road to navigate with the KHL, but they would be great down the road to see some sort of uh, you know, Champions League. That, that would be, to me, the, the way to solve this a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for any type of in-season slash Champions League-like tournament, as long as it doesn't turn into some Super League thing where <laughs> all, yeah. the, all the, I mean, it would be kind of counterproductive yeah. if you already have the NHL. But all that to say, like, yeah, I think that'd be cool to watch just to see all the different teams, but I also imagine the level of those teams might have to get up a little, uh, might have to get up a little bit too. But hey, look, we live in a world where uh, the Phoenix Suns lost to a team from Australia yesterday in preseason. Of the Adelaide yeah. 36ers. It is not out of the realm of possibility. We watch an NHL game one day, and um the Arizona Coyotes lose to uh the Zurich Lions. You know, anybody can be beat on any given day. Maybe the cha- a potential NHL Champions League, if we ever get to that point, would provide us with that. That would be fun. Now I'm looking for a best of seven Arizona and Zurich. Yeah. Best like, of seven. Like an in-season tournament, you put random NHL teams in there, kind of like well, they used a, to do that, like a like a club Spengler cup, like a club Spengler cup. Yeah, no, well, they used to like back in the in the seventies and early eighties, like those traveling teams from Russia, the Red That's Army true. and and Moscow Dynamo, and they they would come over and just randomly on a Tuesday, it's like oh, they Red Army's playing the Washington Capitals, and it, like the Capitals would know. be full full steam ahead, like their A lineup. I don't know that you would get that today. You wouldn't get that same, uh, you know, you wouldn't get that same uh, compete level and any of that, right? And, and nor would the owners probably want to put their players in a position of vulnerability for a, essentially what turns out to be an exhibition game, right? Yeah, you'd have to be very careful, essentially, with that, I would think. It, it, but, uh, yeah, you'd have to be very careful with that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, tell you what, Julian, we've uh, dropped a couple of Columbus Blue Jackets references in here and the fact that they are going to be going over to uh, Finland to play later this year. Uh, Let's connect with our uh, Blue Jackets beat writer, Aaron Portsline, here on the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Let me ask you this, Aaron. Uh, is there some excitement and buzz about the fact that the Jackets are, are headed overseas later this season to play uh, a couple of games against the Avs? Uh, yeah, for sure there is. And I know it was, I hear from a ton of Blue Jackets fans, just like when they went to Stockholm a, a decade ago to play the Sharks, I've heard from a ton of Blue Jackets fans that are going to make the trip with them, which always amazes me um, that, that people have that sort of time and resources to just pick up in November and go. But they do and they will. They'll be there and – and it'll be awesome. Um, I, you know, the overwhelming story to everything is is Johnny Gaudreau, and I'm fighting myself every day to write a lead to a story that doesn't involve Gaudreau in the lead somehow, because everything seems to be building off of that his arrival, what it means to this and this and this. Um, so that's the dominating thing. People just want to see Johnny Gaudreau play for the Blue Jackets on opening night, um, but there is certainly excitement that they'll be in in Finland. Yeah, and a lot of people will make the trip. I was about to ask you, with regards to the fact that Johnny Gaudreau and the summer that he had, and he's like, you know what? No, I want to play for the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is the team I'm going to play for. And you're 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 really good in the game, obviously, in the writing game, and 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 what you've been able to do with us. What's it been like covering Johnny Gaudreau through, I guess, his first preseason training camp as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets? and trying to navigate the expectations for him and the team coming into the season. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't want to write the same story every day. You'd like people to make it to to paragraph two without thinking, geez, I just read this, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah. But like, you know, just any story. We wrote about Jake Voracek, who was this team's top line left winger before Gaudreau got here. And now Jake Voracek is proud accomplished veteran his role has changed how is he handling now being a second line guy now maybe being on the second line of a of a power play maybe not a second power play unit maybe in a different role than he's ever been on the power play net front um so that story is not about johnny but it kind of is uh had a story sunday about the blue jackets rumored interest in jacob chikrin of the arizona coyotes that turns out to be a Johnny story too. He didn't want to come to Columbus pre Gaudreau, and then Johnny hockey happens in Columbus, and it, you know, you know what? That might not be so bad after all. Um, so it's sort of like everything is. It, he's sort of the planet that everything is sort of gravitationally drawn to. Um, he's been great. He's been available every day when you need him. Uh, he's been away from the rink for a couple of days now. They're expecting little Johnny or a little. Jane, um, in the at some point here, uh, may have already happened. Uh, so that'll be that'll be a day, um, a, a big moment for him. Spoke to his parents. His parents are excited to only have a seven-hour drive to Columbus, uh, and working on another story about his relationship with Eric Robinson. They grew up together uh, in Jersey, and now here they are playing together in the NHL. They're two years apart. Played one year of high school hockey, but they sort of grew up with each other. 
um, they were friends with each other's brother more than they were with them because they're the age difference. Um, but it's kind of all Johnny all the time. And, you know, you see a ton of Gaudreau sweaters around Columbus already. Uh, so everything that, that is, that is supposed to happen in a situation like this is, is happening. So Gaudreau was part of a dynamic line in Calgary last year. That was a fantasy hockey, uh, person's dream. Question is, if you're in a fantasy hockey pool right now and you want to ride Johnny Gaudreau's, uh, coattails here, Aaron. Who who looks like uh, is going to be his centerman and his right winger? Like has is that been determined? I know there was line A talk, but has it all been determined and written in stone here what we're going to see to start the season? Yeah. So the safest bet there is line A. Uh, line A is going to be his off winger, unless it just bombs when the season starts. And they've looked pretty good during the preseason. Hard, so hard to judge in the preseason, but there, there's they've got the same wavelengths. You can see that it can work. And line A, I used to think it was it was line A needed someone to get him the puck. I think they all do. The shooters do. More than anything, I think line A needs um, someone to draw attention away from him. And no one does that. Not since he's been in Columbus. And, and to hear line A say it, not ever in his NHL career, not even in Winnipeg, quite like Gaudreau can do. So he's thinking, he, and line, line A came to camp in incredible shape. Um, he, I've heard his body fat is under 8% for the first time in his career. He looks leaner. He looks meaner. Um, he really feels a part of the operation here where he didn't after his first year that really started to take shape last season. I think it's really built where he feels comfortable now. He's got the contract, the long-term contract at center, the odds on favorite. I feel a little strange saying this because they have not played together yet. Uh, but there's a reason for that is Boone Jenner. Uh, Boone Jenner, I think, had 23 goals last year in 59 games, was on pace for a career season, his second 30-goal season. He is not an offensive superstar by any stretch, but he may be what those two need, a, a face-off, really good face-off guy, the best guy on the team, um, can win pucks on the wall, goes to the net, scores greasy goals, all of those things. He seems to be the odds-on favorite there, but I – we all know these lines very rarely do they always stay together. Now they did in Calgary last year, but until you find that magic fit, I don't think it's out of the question that Cole Sillinger finds a spot there at some point. And I don't think it's out of the question that Jack Roslovic finds a spot there. Roslovic played very well in Jenner's absence last year. So the, for sure the pick there is line a, I think center's a little murky, but the odds on favor would be Boone Jenner. Um, I'd like to know, continue the topic of expectations. How does Johnny Gaudreau, being with the Columbus Blue Jackets, influence people's expectations of how good of a hockey team the Columbus Blue Jackets should be this coming year? Yeah. Well, they're a playoff team and maybe a Stanley Cup contender, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is sports, right? Um, yeah, I... So I, I think the expectation last year the expectation was bottom five, rebuild, bottom out, go get go get Shane Wright. We all know how that played out. This team cannot do that. Has never done that well. That that as uh, they have not been a great team historically. They have never been bad enough historically to truly get where they need to go. They just don't do that, and that's that is. Um, 
it's not a topic right now because they're up back on the upswing. But I think it's fair to wonder if they got if they did it if they were bad enough this time to really get difference makers in the draft. Um, and so we'll see. But I, I think the expectations last year were that they were just going to be putrid, and they were much more competitive than people expected. I think this year the expectation is that this is a team that can challenge for a playoff spot. I, I don't know that I'd bet that they are a playoff team, but I don't think it's out of the question. Can they hang around in the Metro top four? Um, I think most people see Carolina and, and the Rangers as the top two in this league. I think people are afraid, myself included, to pick against Washington and Pittsburgh for all of those veterans and all that they've accomplished. At some point, it's going to go through the floor there. It has to. I'm not sure if that's this year or not. But can Columbus get above one of those two teams and into the top four? And then I think there are other teams you just don't know about. I don't know what the Islanders are going to be. I think they're better than they were last year. I don't know. I think the Devils at some point are going to take off. I thought they were going to last year, and they didn't. So I think there's a lot of questions, but I think they're in that. I think it's reasonable to put them in that sort of four to seven space in the Metro uh, as a reasonable finish. But I, I think there's a lot of people here who are thinking playoffs and will be disappointed if they don't make it. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, and down goes Brown kind of trying to predict the season – uh, kind of had Columbus in the man, your guess is as good as mine. Like I could see them being really good. I could see them, uh, you know, not being good. And, and, there, and there's some, there's some great intrigue there as a beat writer. I feel the same thing with Ottawa this year. I don't know what they're going to be. I think they're going to be better, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. So yeah, it's uh, it's great. You know, and speaking of, speaking of Ottawa, I think the perception here, Aaron has changed in this market about stars, you know, it, it was a revolving door. Everybody left all the time. That was kind of what, uh, you know, Jackets fans dealt with it. And you touched on this a little bit earlier when you talked about, you know, maybe Jacob Chikrin is open to the idea of going to a place like Columbus because, hey, Johnny Goudreau says it's good to go. Is that narrative now dead that Columbus can't hang on to big name talent stars? Uh, I don't know that it's dead because I think it's it's a market like this that hasn't done anything on the ice these are the things that people will always hold against them. Um, or th those things are hard to shake. But I think, uh, I think actually the, the, the trend going the other direction started a little before Gaudreau. But of course, we're, we wouldn't see it. You don't see those trends until you, you, you see a few things in that direction. Zach Wierenski signing long-term here for these guys was absolutely huge. Because if you think Seth Jones tells them, I'm probably not going to sign long-term with you, and they say, okay, we're going to move you. Well, Wierenski's coming into the final deal of his final year of his deal at that point, too. If he, too, wants to move along, then God knows what you've got here. Um, and, and who knows what moves they would have made. Wierenski says he wants to stay long-term. They get him done long-term. That's a big, big moment. That's a first sort of traction. And you've had other... You've had other uh, contracts in a similar vein. They're not as impressive as Wierenski's. Then Gaudreau happens, and then Line signs long-term. There's a lot of people who didn't think Line would stay here long-term. Maybe he doesn't if Gaudreau's not here, although he did want to be here, he said. Uh, I think it's heading in the right direction. I, I think in a market like this, you guys know how it is, it, it can go back the other direction very quickly if, if things turn. 
I don't think you're ever fully behind something like this, but they are heading in the right direction. In their defense, too, I think they've done a lot of things around here. I think they've changed some some attitudes. They've changed some organizational approaches, if 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 you will, um, that are designed to make it more attractive for players. Um, the the dressing room now is it's the it's ridiculous. It's incredible. Um, I think they have to kick guys out of here at the end of the day because it's such a fun place to hang out. It's the <laughs> it's the man cave everybody wants. Um, that's a huge upgrade for them. Uh, just the facilities, the way they handle things, uh, and the way the, the players are treated, I think, has gone steadily upward with input from the players. And I think they're starting to change the reputation around the league. But nothing does it. Nothing does it quicker than a guy like Gaudreau wanting to come here. As someone who has never visited Columbus, can you sell me on the city? Can you tell me why Columbus is this great destination all of a sudden for a guy like Johnny Gaudreau? And I'm not, I mean, it, it does kind of come out as sort of facetious, but like, I, I genuinely would like to know more about the city. And you, and you know, and you know. Yeah. And it was, so am I selling it to a guy like Gaudreau? So married, young family, getting a young family started, wants to play hockey. What about a single dude? Yeah. Okay. Single dude. So Ohio State is the largest university in, in the United States. And it's about six miles up High Street. So you have 65 or 70,000 undergrad students. Uh, if even 50%, though I think the number's larger, are female, you've got a great club scene if you're a single guy in Columbus. You have a whole street, High Street, up from Nationwide Arena that is uh, art sh- uh, shows, bars, restaurants, clubs, um, there's a, you know, really cool places to be. Every year, the university cranks out a, what, uh, five, I don't know, 5,000, 6,000 grads. Most of them stay here. The economy is state government. It is Ohio State. It is um, the limited brands, fashion. So you've got a lot of young um, fashionistas, if you will. It is a growing city. It's a bigger city than most people realize. I always tell people this. Everyone's heard of Cleveland and Cincinnati, maybe more prominently than Columbus. Columbus City is bigger than those two cities combined by 250,000 people. Like it is the biggest city in Columbus, and it's the only major city that continues to grow. Um, if you're a, a um, extremely wealthy, I have trouble with these things, guys, because I don't fit that tax bracket. But there's like four of the top. 50 golf courses in the U.S. are in Columbus. Birthplace of Jack Nicklaus only makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner of the Blue Jackets owns Double Eagle, which is a super private, incredible golf course in suburban Columbus. The players get on at Double Eagle. I don't think many rounds of golf are played there a year at all. It's pristine. Um, so it is, and there's there's several suburbs like, you know, Upper Arlington, Grandview, Bexley, Dublin, there's all these really nice uh, suburbs. You can live in Upper Arlington, Ohio. I think that's the most expensive zip code in this area and be at the rink probably in 10 minutes with virtually no traffic. The airport is, you would know this, uh, Ian, the, the airport is like seven minutes from downtown, which yeah, a lot yeah. of major cities don't have. The convenience of being here. The other thing the players love is the practice rink is attached to the main rink. Oh, so no, everything nice. is here. 
this is their focal point every day. They're not going to the suburbs for one and into the city for a game. It's all here. So a lot of these guys can live downtown if they wish. A lot of these guys live over in Upper Arlington, again, a short minute drive. Um, it's it's kind of got everything you want except a reputation. And frankly, that's how some people like it too. They like it to be a well-kept secret. So yeah, man. So if you're a young dude looking to make some new friends, looking to golf, looking to, you got somebody to burn, that sounds pretty cool. It's not bad. It's not bad. Well, listen, there's going to be a check in the mail from Tourism Columbus for you for that. Uh, Love you, Linda Logan. Spiel. There you go. <laughs> uh, Aaron, thanks for dropping by. Always great because uh, we talked about this. We're, we're bouncing around on the, the, the podcasts here, bouncing around the, the 10 most interesting, compelling stories of the season. And Columbus is certainly uh, on the list. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool to see uh, a city in a market like Columbus that's been so thirsty for some, some success get something in the off season and should be a fun year. We're looking forward to your coverage all season long. Well, the, the, thanks, thanks guys for having me. That Eastern Conference final, Ottawa and Columbus is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Oh, can you imagine? Just imagine the travel headache trying to get between those two cities. Right. Right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Great stuff with Portsline. By the way, Julian, love the fact that you went full Calgary guy there. You're like, so just explain to me why anyone in their right mind. <laughs> I didn't mean it like, like you're that. Just, you're just playing to the your Calgary no, audience. I generally wanted to, to me why you I would, generally no. wanted to be sold on Columbus. It seems like a, a lot of people have been very defensive about the fact that, hey, it's actually a really nice city. I want to know what's what. As someone who very likely will be going to Columbus this year, I would like Love to it. know what's what. And like, look, it's cool. As a young single person, he mentioned some pretty intriguing things. Uh, just the fact there's a lot of young people there. If I had a lot of disposable income and was able to go to some of those golf clubs like that, uh, that uh, pretty pristine one he kept describing. Double, hey, double eagle, could, did he say? The double eagle, yeah. Double. Like, why not? No, no. You, you can you could afford, you and I can afford to go to like double bogey. Oh, of course. <laughs> we, we're not going to double eagle. We're going to double bogey. You think, you don't even if we pulled our resources course. together? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Damn. I don't think so. Hey, before we dip out of here, a couple things. Uh, Boston Bruins have an, another significant injury to report Taylor Hall is going to miss the start of the regular season. They're, right now they're saying he's week to week, upper body injury. But now I'm asking you here, Julian, you know, Matt Grizzlick is out till November. Brad Marchand is out till end of November. Charlie McAvoy, maybe late November, certainly early December. Now you add Taylor Hall to the mix. Uh, it, it's getting awfully thin in Boston. they got a new coach, too, in Jim Montgomery. Uh, we talk about Columbus being an intriguing team. I'm putting Boston on my list of I'm watching you because I don't know what's going to happen. I think they're missing the playoffs. I think the 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 injuries that they've been hit with, at least to start the year, they, they could prove me wrong. They could play above that. And then when all those guys come back, they can really do some damage. With all the changes and the injuries to start, I think that really puts them in a in a very interesting position. I don't think it's necessarily a good one. That's also another reason why I'm pretty high on the Ottawa Senators making it because of the fact that a team like Boston could fall off in the Atlantic division. So uh, the fact that Taylor Hall is week to week, that does not look good for the Boston Bruins. That just puts even more pressure on a Patrice Bergeron uh, who is playing in another final year of his contract and David Pasternak who 
seems like he wants to stay in Boston. Uh, final year of his deal. Final year of his deal. Yeah. A lot of a lot of questions about David Pasternak coming into his final year of that deal with the Boston Bruins. But I don't know. That's a lot of pressure on those two guys. Yeah. No. Again. So Taylor and Hall Jeremy Swayman. Yeah, Jeremy Swayman is going to certainly uh, have a lot of pressure on him. Uh, before we wrap up, always on a Monday, we uh, we leave the listeners with a little question to ponder, a multiple choice style. We talked an expansion a little bit earlier about Europe or whatever. Here's my question for the week. Where would you like to see the NHL expand to next? Okay? Your options are A, Houston, B, Quebec City, C, a European city, or D, you know what? No more expansion. 32 teams is enough. Relocation, that's the best option. What about E, the moon? No, I'm kidding. Um, as a native you Quebecer. Can't, you can't play. Uh, the games would be terrible there. There'd be no atmosphere. <laughs> that might be one of the best dad jokes I've ever heard. And I'm out. Uh, and you're out. I was just going to say uh, Quebec City is by easily the, the choice I would make here. Uh, maybe just as the native Quebec on the podcast, I'd like to see the Nordzik come back in some fashion. The one that probably makes the most fiscal sense, though, is Houston. Yeah, it's it's the fourth largest market, right, in the United States? Actually, I was, like were you not shocked when Ports... I, I, do we need to fact-check Ports line when he's like, Columbus is the biggest city in Ohio? And it's bigger. Did he say it was bigger than Cincy and Cleveland combined? Something like that. That was like, what? I didn't know that. Can somebody from Tourism Cincinnati fact check that? Linda Logan. I think that's the name he name dropped. Yes. (laughs) Whoever that was. You know what, though? I'm with you. I think as much as you'd love to see, you know, people in Canada love the Quebec City idea, Houston idea. I'll say this. I don't want to see more expansion. And I, I don't want to even start thinking about who might be a candidate for relocation because that's not cool for those fans. They don't want to hear that. But I think 32 teams is perfect. I don't want – I think when you get to – the problem is you'd have to go at least two more, right? Like you can't have a 33-team league. Yeah. So now you're at 34, and then it then it becomes a balance issue between East and West. And I think it's perfect right now. I, I don't want to see any more expansion. So you definitely don't want any into Europe. So that's – you know, you don't want like a whole six-team division to pop I, up in Europe then. I guess not. You know what? To go back to that original point, yeah, I guess not. Put me down for no for the European division. Has to be. I don't know. Oh, it looks as if, yo, uh, big shout out to, to Chris Flannery for getting these numbers. I think okay, it's our population producer? numbers. Yeah. Uh, so Cincy, over 300,000 people, uh, 302,687. Cleveland, 383,331. Columbus, Eight hundred and eighty-nine thousand and seven. He was right. He was why did I right. ever doubt him? Oh, he, why did I? Man, doubt him? I didn't expect it to be that much. No, damn, that's shocking. Okay, I didn't realize well, Cleveland we, I, and Cincy were that small. No, I didn't. I didn't realize that at all. I learned something today. Thanks exactly. to Eric that, That's the goal of this podcast. We just want people to learn something. We certainly did. All right. We got to duck out of here. We want to thank everybody for listening to this Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating review. We'd appreciate that. Uh, Fun show on deck Tuesday. Custance and Gentili are going to have Chucky. Actually, no. What's Keith Kachuk's nickname here? It was uh, Walt. Keith Kachuk is going to be on. Walt? Yeah, Walt. 
I didn't know his name. Big Nicky was Big Walt, Walt, actually, to be honest. I think it's Big Walt. Hey, they'll, they'll get into that. Uh, he's coming up. And Friday Prospect Series, it looks like the guy that we think is going to go number one overall, or Bedard, going to drop by the podcast on Friday. So that's pretty fun. Uh, Keith Kachuk, Tuesday. Connor Bedard, Friday. Uh, that's it for us. And if you're not a subscriber with The Athletic, you can join us for a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.